I do need to go out to the North Olmsted Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. She's a Cleveland native. She works as a senior NFL analyst and content director for NBC Sports. Samantha Bunton joins the show. Samantha, it's been a long time. I'm glad we're finally getting a chance to catch up. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. It's good to talk to you again, Spencer. How are you? I'm, I'm, can't complain, you know, getting through, getting ready for the holidays, all that good stuff. Speaking of which, actually, I wanted to lead with this because I tweeted something earlier about discovering an underrated Christmas movie, and then you tweeted a response to me. So I was going to ask you, what is the most underrated Christmas movie? All right. So I actually didn't know. I will preface this by saying I didn't even know this was a Christmas movie until very recently because I I think it was made before I was born or at least when I was too young to watch it. And I only came across this recently. I thought it was a Halloween movie or at least skewing towards <laughs> Halloween. And then I saw Gremlins for the first time. Mm. And it is tremendous. It is not a good movie, <laughs> but it might be so bad that it's good. And it's very Christmassy. Like, I, I loved all of the, like, bad, like, low-tech. I mean, forget how incredibly uh, <laughs> much progress we've made in terms of things like set design and, um, you know, the gremlins themselves. <laughs> so it's very, like, analog or lo-fi in a way or however you want to put it. But tremendously good or tremendously yeah. so bad it's good. But I've, it's I've, absolutely amazing. Over the years, I've had a number of people who have had that same take. Like, yeah, Gremlins is a Christmas movie. And it is one of those ones that's kind of like towing the line where we get into these arguments. I don't think it's quite as controversial as like Die Hard is or like what do you where do you put the nightmare before Christmas? Is that a Christmas movie or a Halloween movie? I think it's a Halloween movie. I think it's both, but I think that skews more Halloween. Yeah, I, because that, that was for, it's Halloween Town, right? You know, they yeah, went to visit yeah. Christmas. You can't have it both ways. So I'm going to go Halloween on that. One. I, I'm, I'm with you on that. All right. Well, you get the hard hitting movie genres here <laughs> when Samantha Bunton is on with me. We appreciate you giving us some time on the North Olmsted Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. Let's talk football. Um, how much of a shot do you give the Browns at seven and four right now? Six games to go. And a continued revolving door quarterback to A, make the playoffs, and B, make an actual legitimate run in the playoffs. I think they have a pretty good shot to make the playoffs, especially when you look at their remaining schedule as well as the remaining schedules of some of the teams that are sort of uh, near them in terms of where they are in the standings. As far as how much of an impact they can make in the playoffs, I, I think I've had to back off of this a little bit. Um, I was very gung-ho about this and say, no, no, I think they can go deep in the playoffs, but the quarterback situation just keeps deteriorating. And I guess this will be an easier question to answer after we've seen, you know, ancient Joe Flacco on Sunday <laughs> and what he can do and whether he can hang on to the job or do we just give it back to Hey, no, he said he's still got something know. left in the tank, okay? <laughs> oh, I hope so, Spencer. I hope so, and yet... <laughs> What what should well what what should fans maybe expect from Joe Flacco? Because my big thing is we finally got the show running here an hour in has been I think the biggest thing I can count on is that he's probably not going to turn the football over, which that is a big deal for this offense and just being able to not give the ball to the other team. I think we've seen that happen a lot, and it's obviously hasn't worked out for the Browns. So is there anything else that fans should maybe be expecting, and what is their ceiling, I guess, with him from an offensive standpoint? Yeah, I mean, I think that's the good news um, that you can expect I think, very technically correct football or at least as technically yeah. correct as it can possibly be for a guy who's had the playbook for like two weeks. But, yeah, I mean, after what we saw a week ago, I, 
I will take that. <laughs> if it just means we're not going to lose a game after somebody repeatedly losing fumbles, it's just, oh, it's brutal. It's been brutal all season long. So I think that's the good news. Uh, the bad news is, is like, I think a lot of the athleticism and the, the quickness, that that's something you might miss. So I, he's a... I would never describe Joe Flacco as like a smart quarterback previously, but I don't know. Now he's old and he seems like he has wisdom. I, this is ridiculous. I don't know <laughs> if I think of him that way or not. I, I don't know, guys. I'm not sure about that. But, you know, I, I think we will not see a lot of silly, stupid mistakes for sure. And and I think I suspect his arm is still probably pretty decent. As far as the rest of it, I don't know. I'm nervous. He's very old. He looked very bad when we saw him go with the Jets. So we'll see. Yeah. yeah, I think that's the hard dilemma because I think you're like a lot of what you're saying is right. We don't know. Uh, you got like Amari Cooper talking about how his pocket presence is poetry in motion this week and how he just looks so fluid back there. And that certainly speaks to what you'd imagine for a guy like Joe Flacco who's taken as many snaps as he had and had the success that he had as a franchise quarterback for the Ravens at one point. He won a Super Bowl. Like he has that experience. He has that football IQ like you allude to. But I like I, I there's 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 people calling in the night saying, oh, I'm so excited. This this could, you know, be the, the thing that writes the ship or gets us on track for the rest of the season. I'm like, guys, I don't know if I'm putting all my my stock in Joe Flacco just saving the season here. That, that's that's the hard thing about it. Yeah, and I I agree with you, and I think that the speed of the game is such. I mean, we we always mock college players who are like, oh, it's not going to be any different in the NFL. I can handle this. It's not any faster. And then they get smoked, and you're like, oh, geez. I mean, wasn't it who's the last? Was it Leonard Fournette did that when he came out or something? Who was it? I don't remember who it was, but there was a running guy that did this and then got like coasted. Ultimately, he was fine, but. So I think maybe we look at that from the opposite end and say, okay, if you've been out of the league a while and you're getting up there in years, like Tom Brady has convinced us all, I think, that like people can just play until they're 40 or 45 if they just, I don't know, eat avocado ice cream or whatever it is. And, you know, Aaron Rodgers was probably our first piece of proof that that is not just not necessarily true, even in this day and age. And and Joe Flacco would be, of course, an even more extreme example and was never a quarterback on par with either of those people, even at his peak. So I worry a little bit about the speed of the game and the ability of somebody to catch up, not just because they're older, but because they have been out of action. So that's kind of the same thing we were saying about Deshaun Watson when coming into the season and saying, hey, you know, can this guy really catch back up after being idle for so long? And he's a lot younger. Talking with Samantha Bunton on the hotline. One last thing on the Browns front, barring uh, an epic a collapse of epic proportions, I should say, where the team just flat out like quits towards the end of the season and they don't make the playoffs and they finish with the seven wins they have right now and that's it. Kevin Stefanski, shouldn't he not be on the hot seat anymore? Yeah, I think that whatever, and I'm not sure there was a lot of legitimacy to him being on the hot seat in the first place this year, although we did put it out there and say, hey, it was all these weapons. If they fail spectacularly, yeah. Sure, but they haven't done that. I think he's done a remarkably good job of adjusting considering the fact that they have had, in some ways, wonderful luck that we've never seen at all in terms of what happened sort of with in-game stuff, but horrible luck regarding injuries. And they've still put together a pretty good season and will continue to do so. So outside of, like you said, some kind of catastrophic collapse 
probably coupled with the team essentially quitting on him, which I don't think we have any reason to think at least the latter half of that is going to happen. And even the former half of that, the only defense of that argument is lost to the Browns, but <laughs> they'll find a way. And I say that half jokingly, but I also say this, you know, we, we all have to protect ourselves, right? Because we've seen yeah. this movie too many times, but but yeah, no, I don't think Stefanski's going anywhere. I don't think he should go anywhere. Whatever happens between now and the end of the season, I think he has proven that, you know, we can we can back off of him a little yeah. bit, at least in terms of what happens for next season. Yeah, I agree. Speaking of hot seats, though, we already have two job openings. We know that'll be looking for coaches. The Raiders, obviously, being one. The Panthers now, as as of this week, after they moved on from Frank Reich, there's a chance it feels like that we might have like a record for job openings this offseason. Like just the rumors that are out there, there's Bill Belichick maybe being gone at the end of the season. There's the Bears with Eberflut. Like there's a lot of job openings that could be available. And where where do you think these things kind of play out? How many jobs realistically do you think will actually be up for grabs when the offseason rolls around? I agree that I think there's probably going to be more than we normally see just by virtue of the fact that we've already seen two this early. And, you know, I've got probably at least four more in mind that I would almost guarantee the person is going to lose their job or perhaps in Belichick's case, decide that it's time to move on. Um, and that's not even counting. You know, we always get one every year, right? Somebody we're not expecting who ends up getting canned or decides to leave or whatever. So, like, we're somewhere up at, what, like six or eight? already, which would be, that that is a huge number of (laughs) jobs to be out there. And I mean, I don't know. I've heard the, you know, Belichick to the Chargers is obviously very intriguing. You know, why is this perpetually underachieving team? And the guy who's coaching there seems like he's actually trying to get fired every week. So, I mean, he's got to be the next to go. Shout out Brandon Staley. He's a local guy, but man, he's having a rough go. Very, very smart man and not a very good football coach. It's just, I, it makes me sad because he seems like a really sharp guy and he has some interesting insights on a lot of things that are not necessarily about what goes on in a football field. But uh, I, he may be a, excuse me, a one and done uh, as far as a head coaching job. And perhaps Belichick will take his job and then we'll see if he can perhaps fix the, you know, Charger's going to charge her mentality that seems to go on endlessly out there. But other than that, yeah, I mean, I expect Bears opening to, to happen. I mean, it's you wonder about some of these guys maybe just switching jobs. And I'm speaking specifically of Frank Reich, who has to be very thankful that he was fired because that was a mess. I think all of those people, you know, he and, and Josh McCown and Staley and all those guys have to be counting, thanking their lucky stars that they are getting away from Pepper and what is looking like a really toxic situation in Carolina. And I expect they will all be hired again. And Frank Reich certainly, I think, a candidate for a head coaching job again as well. As far as the rest of these teams, I'm not sure. I think we have to see who ends up available and which coordinators you know, we're, we're still in that that point in the season where a coordinator could, somebody we're not necessarily discussing on that level could emerge as a promising candidate. And somebody could also, like, really, really tank their chances with something yeah. they do between now and the end of the postseason. A few more minutes with Samantha Bunton. You can find her on Twitter, at Samantha Bunton, as uh, we keep the conversation going. One head coach that, I guess, at least from the fan base, is on the hot seat, but I don't think within the organization is, is Sean McDermott. But, man, oh, man, have things kind of unraveled on that franchise. Do you think this is the end of the Bills' window with this kind of current makeup and iteration of this team? Yeah, I I hate to say it. Um, It makes me sad. (laughs) You never 
they never really got there. They never really got their chance, and it almost looks to me like it's... Well, they did, they even... did, but then Patrick Mahomes in 13 seconds happened. and that. Yeah, they, they got what away from, yeah, 13 <laughs> seconds, and it's just, it's, you hate to peak at AFC Championship, and I know, like, as Browns fans, we, we all feel this very deeply, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> that is a, it's a bad place to, to yeah. kind of fizzle out, but... Yeah, I I mean, I don't know. It's really, really frustrating to watch a team that has that much talent and to watch a guy like Josh Allen really, really regress under this particular coaching regime. And, you know, Ken Dorsey gets fired. That's a sacrificial lamb. He gets fired in a week that the defense basically lost the game for them, which is not to imply that the offense isn't a problem. It absolutely is. But that didn't feel like a, a real firing. That was, well, we have to fire somebody and yeah. <laughs> you. Um, You're so right. I don't know. I don't know that I necessarily think the Sermon is definitely getting fired or anything like that. And a lot of this is going to depend. You know, if they sneak into the postseason, even if they perform poorly there and make a quick exit, I think that will probably provide a stay of execution for most of the staff there. But they have a lot of problems on defense. They have a lot of issues on offense. They really need to figure out what is going on with Allen, of course. And ultimately, I mean, maybe this is sort of the the warning sign that whether McDermott survives the end of the season and into next year or not, that if they want to take this to the next level, then it probably needs to happen under someone else's office. Mm. I think you're on to something there. We'll certainly keep an eye on that as we continue our conversations into the offseason and beyond. Last thing to get you out of here, Dak Prescott, impressive game last night, I think, People starting to maybe turn the tide towards him being the lead MVP candidate in a weird season where there's not really anybody running away with it. Who do you think is the leader in the clubhouse for MVP at this point? I mean, it probably is Dak Prescott, right, which is so weird. It's so weird because I, Dallas <laughs> still seems spectacularly unimpressive to me. I don't trust their coach at all. I don't trust anything that they're going to do in the postseason. But we haven't really seen – the same kind of slam-dunk standout performance that we have in recent years when we know who the MVP is. I mean, it's going to be a quarterback, of course. But all of the other people who I would have put up as candidates here, I mean, we just talked about Josh Allen, right? He's the farthest thing from an MVP yeah. candidate right now. You know, Jalen Hurts not really doing it for me this year. Patrick Mahomes, a lot of what's going wrong there isn't really about him. But it does probably put him at least somewhat out of the conversation. Joe Burrow gets hurt, so he's out. So we just don't have a lot of great candidates for this. So, I mean, it's almost like a, it reminds me of the that weird baseball season we had during the pandemic when the people who won the Cy Youngs, you look at them and going, really? Like, is this really a Cy? Are we counting this? Does this count? Like, so it's going to feel a little bit like that. It's sort of like, well, what was the least offensive thing that we saw out there that was reasonably protective? And I, I'm not trying to take anything away from Dak. He, he's done a wonderful job, especially considering that, um, you know, he, he works for Mike McCarthy, right? Which is, is no small feat yeah. uh, when that guy's calling your play. <laughs> so, so maybe we should give him the MVP purely based on his ability to overcome that and still look like an outstanding football talent. What would it take, you think, real quick, for Miles Garrett to win it? I know that'd be, like, super rare for a defensive player to win it, but if the Browns somehow drag their way to the playoffs led by this defense, I know he's dealing with that shoulder injury now. We don't really know all the optics of that. But if he gets to, like, 20 sacks, would that be enough to maybe put himself in the conversation? Um, It should. I don't think it will. Um, they're, the, the voters are absolutely, totally and completely addicted to giving this award to quarterbacks. Yes. And while I would place higher odds on somebody like Miles Garrett than another non-quarterback offensive player for this particular award, 
I would be surprised. Um, I think, like you said, you know, if Miles puts together a 20-plus sack season, something that just almost statistically jumps off of the page, and you put that together with the fact that this is a year where none of the quarterbacks are really standing out all that much, then sure, I think it's possible. And I would argue that he should be the MVP if that happens. But I'm just not sure if you can convince the, the voting body yeah. to agree with that. That's fair. That's fair. Samantha Bunton, you can follow her on Twitter, at Samantha Bunton. She's a senior NFL analyst and content director for NBC Sports. We always appreciate her time, her insights into the NFL Always good chatting with you. We will definitely do it again soon. I'm, we're, it's getting close to the playoffs, Samantha. You know I love bringing you on to do playoff predictions. So I'm, I'm looking forward to getting to that in the next month or so. But uh, until next time, take care of yourself, all right? Sounds great. Thanks for having me on, Spencer. Absolutely. Thanks, as always, Samantha. Samantha Bunton on the North Olmsted Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. Let's take a break. We'll react to that on the other side. She says Kevin Stefanski, no reason for him to be on the hot seat. So can we pipe down? Can we quiet that stuff down now? We'll do it next here on The Fan. It's finally kitchen on, guys. I'm, I'm proud. I'm proud to say Hot Take Friday is starting to become a staple in Cleveland. I like it. I don't like it. I love it. 216-474-992 if you want to get in on Hot Take Friday. We'll get that for you at 940. Guys, real quick, we're watching the uh, Washington-Oregon game here in the station. How the hell did Vegas get this line so wrong? I mean, Washington already beat them once. I know Oregon is playing, like, great football, but nine and a half was the spread. I mean, my goodness. Washington is up 14 points right now. Four minutes to go in the second quarter. And they're about to punt again to Washington, fourth and four right now. Oh, man, they almost blocked it, too. Washington is just totally kicking Oregon's ass. Unreal. We'll see. This actually, and guys, by the way, this is phase one of many, many things that need to play out for Ohio State to backdoor their way into the playoff. If Washington wins, Oregon has two losses, they're completely out of the picture. Only one Pac 12 team's getting in. That takes one team out of your path. Florida State, you're next. Texas probably has to lose, too. We'll cross that bridge when we come to it. We'll keep you updated on what needs to happen for Ohio State to backdoor their way in because we like to hold out as much hope as possible. We're Cleveland. We, we love holding on to any inkling of hope that we possibly have. Guys, so last segment with Samantha, she brought up Kevin Stefanski. And, uh, it basically would take like an epic collapse with the team quitting on him for them to legitimately fire Stefanski, which I think is just preposterously never going to happen. Like, there's no way they lose out the rest of the way. If that, I, I guess I shouldn't say no way. Maybe I should knock on wood after that. But unlikely that they lose out the rest of the way. And given everything that's transpired this season, like Stefanski's done a, a tremendous job putting this team in the position that they're in right now. It just feels, though... Like, the Kevin Stefanski conversation is so divisive. Like, it almost feels like it's it's teetering on becoming the Baker Wars. You got your people who are just Kevin Stefanski sympathizers and, oh, you don't know what you're talking about. You just love kissing Stefanski's ass and you think he's the greatest thing since sliced bread just because we haven't had any other good coaches in, in two decades, blah, blah, blah. And then the flip side of that, it's, 
well, he's complete garbage. He has one bad game, and you're ready to throw him in the trash. Everything that goes wrong with this team is his fault. It's, there's probably people who think the injuries are his fault. Well, he should have hired a better me- a better medical team. Kevin Stefanski should have. There's like no happy medium. And I think we saw that play out especially this week. Because a week ago, I was somebody banging the drum for, this guy probably deserves an extension, if we're being honest with ourselves. Like, for him to have this team in playoff position, 7-4, and four, and yeah, 7-3 and three at the time. And yes, I understand on some level the idea that he's the best coach you've had in two decades matters on some to some degree. Like, that probably taints your perspective on things a little bit because you're like, oh, we haven't seen anything like this. But, guys, he's – he's. we're not talking about Sean McDermott blowing – like, I, somebody shared a, uh, an image of all the games that the that the Bills are leading with, like, under two minutes to go that they've lost under Sean McDermott. Like, we're not talking about that with Stefanski. He's finding ways to win with this team right now. And he's gotten the most out of mediocre quarterbacks pretty much since he's been here. It's remarkable. Uh, yes, there'll be. There will come a time to judge him and Andrew Barry on whatever happens with Deshaun Watson. I'm not saying that that isn't their doing. They handpicked that guy. It's their cross to bear. But man, oh man, it feels like we're just trying to throw out the the bath with the bathwater because. Or cut off our nose in spite of our face just because we're frustrated with the way things go sometimes. I don't think Stefanski's wholly the problem here. And I don't think he deserves blame for everything. Like, yes, the Denver game can be bad, and he can still be a really good coach, a really good play caller, a really good schemer. He's done some brilliant things this year, despite the limitations he's had on offense. So I'm just not there with it. Like, anybody who still thinks he's on the hot seat has to wake up in 2023 and catch a breath of reality in present day. Cause it's just not there. Like the guy's been brilliant. And by the way, other national pundits are talking about how brilliant he's been. I know that's not the end. all be y'all. You got national pundits saying Kenny Pickett should have been is, is on his way to being an MVP candidate. And he's a franchise quarterback for the Steelers already in the preseason. So I understand like that's not the end. all be all. But I do think on some level, like when national pundits are recognizing your team and recognizing your coach for the job he's doing, like that says something. Because that's how you get put in the conversations of coach of the year and all these different other things. So it, it matters. On, to some degree, it does matter. Kevin Stefanski's getting that recognition on a kickoff with Boomer and Esiason. You heard Boomer at the very end there talk about how great Kevin Stefanski's done. So there you go. Todd and War One, you're up next in the fan. What's up, Todd? I I just don't see it, man. I think he's a good coach. I don't think he's a B minus coach. I don't think he's a B plus coach. I just think he's a, a deserving, good NFL coach, better than average, but only to B level. The position that he focuses in on the most, it appears to me, is tight ends, and his tight ends have not been producing on the level that they should. And that seems clear to me. I have a couple of questions, though, before I get back to the Browns, because I, I want to get this clear in my head so I don't have to go online. Who does Florida State play tomorrow, and who does Texas play? Uh, Florida State plays Louisville. 
in the ACC win. championship game, uh, and they might not have their now backup quarterback who's starting uh, for that game. So I forget. I think that game is a seven o'clock kickoff, along with like where or a, a late. It's a late game. It's like a night right. game. I think seven o'clock. And then the uh, Texas, Texas plays uh, Oregon State. Okay, Oregon that's what State I or Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Oklahoma State. I'm sorry. And I knew that's who you I meant. Was, I was confused those two because they're the same colors. I knew um, that's who you meant though. Yeah, the new yeah. conference. And that right. game I think is at like noon. Sunday, what the Browns need is somebody who has a quick release, which Flacco has. He has a better touch at this time in his life than Dorian Robinson does. So that's going to work out for our receivers, and he can sling it. He doesn't need to move around because they don't have as much to deal with. I mean, they got to deal with Aaron. <laughs> okay, they got to deal with big Aaron. But for the most part, they don't have that much to deal with out there in the secondary. So the receivers should have a good day tomorrow, good day on Sunday. And maybe Robinson can be together by next, by this time next week. But I think they got everything they need to win this one, man. I I, I tend to agree, Todd. This has been a, I appreciate the call as always, my man. I, this has been a hard game for me to read. I will say on the Aaron Donald front, though, and I, and I, I don't want this to be taken out of context or taken the wrong way because I'm not trying to say that they're, they're just going to absolutely neutralize Aaron Donald and he's not a factor and this guy's a jokester like at this point in his career. I'm not trying to say any of that. Aaron Donald is still at the top of his game. PFF has him like top 10 and – it, from for a grade for uh, pass rushers this year, he's still top ten in pressures and quarterback hits and hurries and all those different stats. So he's still great and he's still elite. But I do th- like I'm I'm less worried about Aaron Donald in this game than I am like other teams that have elite pass rushers because of the fact that he's an interior guy. The interior of the Browns' offensive line is actually the strength of their offensive line. Where Wyatt Teller and Ethan Posick and Joel Batonio are. It's when they go up against like the TJ Watts and some of these edge guys that I get a little nervous because I don't know if I trust. I trust Dewan Jones more now than I did at the beginning of the year when he was just a rookie who had played. Uh, but obviously, Jay Wills has had some some struggles. When James Hudson was out there, I was nervous about that. Like th- those guys, I I worry about. Yes, but I'm not as worried about Aaron Donald like wrecking this game because the Browns have a good middle of their interior offensive line. All right, let's take a break. It's that time, guys. When we get back. Without further ado, 940 segment. When we come back from this break, it's time for Hot Take Friday. Your hottest takes on all things sports, movies, TV shows. It can be anything other than government conspiracy theories. We want it next on The Fan. The weather might be frightful outside, but you can stay warm with the takes that we're about to, we're about to throw your way. From all of us here in studio, you guys on the phone lines, you're all coming up next. 216 474 92 It is time for another edition of Hot Take Friday. I want to preface this by saying I do have one. It's not even really a hot take, but it is at the same time Christmas take for this. But I'm not giving away all my Christmas takes yet because I will be doing this again December 15th. I know it's December 1. We're just in the month here. It's a good time. If you guys have Christmas ones, that's fine. But I'm saving uh, and including a very controversial one for December 15th. So be there or be square for that. But I'll get us started with this hot take 
Guys, I think both Kelsey brothers, both, are going to retire at the end of the season. Jason was already hinting at it last year. I think this is probably it for him. The last ride, if you will, especially if if the Eagles go and have another good season, maybe get to the Super Bowl again. I think the same can be said for Travis. What else does Travis have to prove? And now he's got this lifestyle where he's dating a billionaire, the biggest pop star in the world, who can fund his whatever he wants to do with his life. And uh, by the way, their podcast is number one in the world. So yeah, I think they're doing okay. They don't need this football thing anymore. Both Kelsey brothers going to retire at the end of the season. Boom. That's how we're getting started. Let's go to the phones. That guy in Cleveland, what you got for me? All right, I got a two-parter for you, and I don't know if you checked Twitter, but I mentioned that I had a second-parter that's about you. I'll try to make it quick, though. Okay. <laughs> All right, uh, part number one. Walt Disney is still alive as a oh, supercomputer brain hooked up to a jar. <laughs> Honestly, the uh, way that Disney's been putting down movies that are just garbage, I wouldn't be surprised if that was true. It's just this then, this this jar brain flow from Walt Disney just spitting out whatever dumb movie that they can come up with next. And then part number two, and I think you're either going to love me or hate me for this one. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, your new nickname should be Baby Voice Spencer. <laughs> Baby Voice Spencer? Come on. Is that just because my voice cracks a lot? I get it. I've had to live with it my whole life. It's just the way it is. Honestly, I don't know. Like, I, I don't know. I, I don't I don't really take offense to it. I don't know what's... Okay, here's what I'll say. I don't know if it's worse that uh, that guy is saying I have a baby voice or that every time I post a video for introing my show... I get at least two people commenting saying, "Oh, is Johnny Manziel back in Cleveland?" I don't know. I don't know which of those two things is worse. If we're being honest, can we pull the room? What, what do you say? Which of, which of those is worse, Jax? I'd say the Johnny Manziel. <laughs> Manziel. Yeah, probably. What do you think, Jake? Yeah, I agree. <laughs> uh, Robert and Brexville, you're up next. I had a crickets drop ready on YouTube right now. I'd play it in response to that last one. What that last take? Yeah, from, no, from no, 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 no. What you should have done is you should have pulled the Ken and Lima where they just don't say nothing and then play the cricket strum. Oh, uh, I see what, what you're saying. Wait, yeah. That's what I was waiting on. Well, I can't steal their bit because then, then on Monday all they'll do is talk about that, how the people the on the station are stealing their – No, because then they'll accuse me of stealing their bit. They'll be like, oh, the part-timers are stealing their bits now. They don't have to get into a meeting or a conversation with Ken. I don't need to deal with all that. So, anyway, what you got, Robert? All right, so I'll say this too. Um, if I, I'm not going to take it, but if I'm right about your Christmas take, I'll let you know when when you do it in a, in a couple oh, of weeks. Okay. I, I'm yeah. pretty sure I know. I have a feeling of what it is. I'm not going to write word for Please it, don't I'm take it. I've been sitting on this for over a year. Mm-hmm. This will be the biggest letdown ever if it just gets pulled out from underneath <laughs> me. All right, I got um, I got four, but I'll save one for next week if you don't have time. All right, LeBron will touch forty thousand career points before he retires. I think that's fair. I like yeah. that one. All right, what's next? All right, the second one. If the Browns win the Super Bowl in February, that night, the, the night Cleveland wins, that Sunday night, Belichick will announce his retirement and he'll crush the party by doing it. <laughs> I think he's going to be gone before that. What's your last one? All right. Um, you know, Jake, Jake, he's got his mic on, right? 
He does now, right. yes. All right, Jake, you, uh, what, what's your opinion on veggie trays? On veggie trays? Yeah. That's like vegetables, carrots, stuff like that, broccoli, whatever. Would you, would, you eat a, would, you, would you snack on a veggie tray if it was at a party? You'd be hard-pressed to see me at a veggie tray at a party. All right. <laughs> I think onions, such as red and white onions, belong in a veggie tray with ranch. Onions? Yes, because like I tried raw it for Thanksgiving. Onions? Yeah, I tried it for Thanksgiving oh, just to try it, and I actually liked it oh, a lot that, more than I thought. That was definitely the one to end on, because that was the hottest of all your takes, Robert. That's <laughs> terrible. All right, I'll talk to you. Yeah, appreciate you, man. That, can't just have raw onions on a veggie tray. What the hell is that? Like, if they're cooked, I guess that makes sense. Or if you're putting them on, like, a burger or a sandwich or something, fine. But just raw onions on a veggie tray? Disgusting. Maybe one of the worst food takes we've had. We've had some bad ones. Todd in Solon. You're up next. What's up, Todd? Yeah, how come you park in a driveway and drive in a parkway? Oh! <laughs> okay, Todd. It's not a how come quickie. Although it's uh, a good callback. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. For Les Levine in his honor. Uh, BP and Pepper Pike. Is this, hey, a, ca- is this a Cavs hot take? No, no. Uh, okay. I'll save them for another night. I'm still trying to get over their losses. I'm like, they're blowing my mind here. They're, yeah, they're, that was bad. That's... They were supposed to be a top three uh, team in the East. They're they're like bottom. I mean, they're. Yeah. I can't believe they lost the. Well, hey, we can night. talk more if you want to talk Cavs. We'll be talking a lot in the ten o'clock hour, so you're welcome to call back. We can talk Cavs. But what's your hot take for now? Yeah, so I've got a Thanksgiving hot take and a football hot take. All what right. do you want first? Thanksgiving. Okay, Thanksgiving. You know, to me, cranberry sauce is the worst thing you could ever put out on a table. I, I've never even tried it. It's so disgusting. See, I, I like how- the cranberry sauce somewhat, but I don't. I think there's a lot of people who find it controversial. So I think there's a lot of people who who, who are with you on that hot take, BP. Yeah, like I've, you know, I'm over 40 years old. I've never even tried it. I've never even gotten close to trying cranberry sauce. I mean, it's. You know what I'm saying? But it's yeah, on every yeah. Thanksgiving table, everywhere you go. But it's like, I don't even get it. Like, it looks horrible. It's like eating yeah. jelly or something. I don't know. It's weird. I get the, so dis- the disgusting part of it for sure. And what's your yeah. football one? My football, this is a, I've been thinking about this for years now. To me, the most exciting play in football is the punt. I mean, it sounds mm. kind of stupid because it's, but when you really think about it, like, I don't go to the fridge or go to the kitchen or take a break. Like, if there's a punt coming, I think there's potentially, like, great play and a lot of action on a punt. You know, I mean, it's a hot take because Yeah, that is a hot take. I see where you're going, though, BP. Appreciate the call and the take because it could get blocked. It could be shanked. It could be taken back for a touchdown. There's definitely a lot that can happen. I don't know if I'm putting it up there as the most exciting play. That is a little bit hot. It's a spicy one. But uh, I see where you're going with that. Austin in Illyria, what you got? Hey, hey, man, how's it going? So my hot take is I'm thinking Joe Burrow is more injury-prone than Deshaun Watson. That's it. You might be right, though, because Burrow's dealt with a number of injuries, too. But if you got to remember with Deshaun, he had the ACL uh, early in, I think, his rookie season. He got hurt at the end of his rookie season with the ACL. So he's had his fair share as well. But Burrow's catching up. Jax, I know we're running low on time, but I want to get you guys in here too. Give me uh, your hottest one. Uh, Andrew Garfield's the best Spider-Man. Oh, come on. Easily. Oh, come on. Easily. I mean, I'm a, I grew up with Toby. Come on. 
sorry. It's, it's got to be said. He says, sorry. It's just it's got to be said. <laughs> How about nonchalant he is about it? Oh. You a Spider-Man guy, Jake? I missed the take. What was it? He said Andrew Garfield was the best Spider-Man. Oh, I totally agree. Oh, come on. It's not what close. It? It's not work, close. Every time I work with you guys, you guys shit like you're all uh, you're gang up on me about these takes. Ugh. Jake, what do you have for a hot take? Yeah, I got to go with my food take for tonight. One of the worst food combinations other than peanut butter and chocolate, of course. No. Is dipping French fries in a milkshake or ice cream? It's not a condiment, and it tastes disgusting. That Stop is doing it. Insanity that he just said that. <laughs> Jax is offended. I got him. I pin him against each other. Finally, finally, they don't agree on something. Uh, so I've never been like big on the French fry in the milkshake phenomenon, but I've had people do it. I'm like indifferent about it. I don't really. It doesn't bother me. Um, but I see where Jake's coming from, where it's kind of odd. You go to Wendy's. You get French fries and you dip it in that chocolate frosty. <laughs> Those Wendy's chocolate frosties, man, like a dollar. Mm, back in the day. <laughs> I had a buddy who used to say every time there was a special occasion, if it was my birthday, if it was his birthday, if it was somebody else's birthday, he'd always be like, I'm going to go to Wendy's and get a frosty. That was like what, how he said he would celebrate, but he wouldn't say he's showing up to the party. It was hilarious. Um, my other big one I was going to sh- share tonight, I'm not even going to have time for my Christmas one. I'll just share it with you later. I, f- I found a hidden gem of a Christmas movie is what it is. I'll tell you about it later. But uh, my other big one, guys, Aaron Rodgers ain't coming back. This has been a complete inner work um, like scheme by Rodgers to make it seem like he is – Bigger and better than, like, Big Pharma, and he knows more than, you know, the, the, the doctors themselves and that he can outsmart science. He was never planning on coming back. The, the, the whole, well, the Jets have to be in the playoff picture. That was just a convenient excuse. And now that they're not going to be in the playoff picture, he can then use that as a reason why he's not coming back. I think this was all just a ploy. It's it's we're capturing it on camera and saying like no one's ever done this before. How do we know no one could have done this before? No one's ever tried. So he's just out there like throwing the football. We're like all awe inspired, like, oh, this is amazing stuff. How do we know other guys couldn't stand there and throw a football the way he's throwing a football? I, I it was all just a scheme. He was never coming back. He's not coming back. So December twenty eighth, mark it down, a Browns win, because it's gonna be a defense versus a defense, and there's not gonna be any Aaron Rodgers to worry about, all right? It ain't happening. It's been a scheme from the beginning. And that'll do it for Hot Take Friday. I kind of want to hear what other ones Jax might have had. It sounds like he had some other ones. Jake had some other ones. We'll, uh, we'll talk about it during the break, see if there's any worth bringing to air when we get back. But I do need to pivot. Just a brutal loss for the Cavs last night. Guys, I think they're having a bit of an identity crisis. We'll talk about it next on The Fan.